Hi, I'm Antonio Centeno, and you're listening to the Personal Image System Podcast. Welcome to the Personal Image System Podcast. I'm Antonio Centeno, your host and the founder of Real Men Real Style. In this show, my goal is to help you learn to leverage the science of style to create your command presence. This is a personal image that sends the signal of confidence and trust and will help increase your earning power and attraction levels. All show notes can be found at realmenrealstyle.com along with hundreds of videos, articles, and infographics. Ten pieces of advice I would give my younger self. All right, guys. So, uh, if you go on my YouTube channel, you're going to find that I do have a video on this. But in today's podcast, I'm going to go into a lot more detail. I'm going to talk about, give a few more specific examples about each of the points that I get into. And I do need to start off that I feel overall my life has turned out very well. I'm very satisfied with where things are at. Now, I still have a lot of goals. I still have failed many times. I do have regrets. But in general, when I look at, and maybe this is one thing I don't really even have this as a point, but my expectations, I've kind of reset them. And I don't expect a whole lot. I'm very thankful for simply, you know, when I put food on the plate, I'm very thankful the quality of the food I'm able to eat but yet I don't need the highest, the most price. I don't need to have, you know, high priced seafood. I live in the Midwest and honestly, I, I like seafood, but I like red meat. And uh, luckily I'm in an area where it's easily accessible. We've got a lot of grass. I mean, just everything is organic. I, my neighbors are farmers. So it's, uh, I find that I enjoy those little things. For me, just having my, my daughter Katya, she's about to turn two and she just loves to lay on my chest and I just lay down on the, on, on the carpet and uh, she'll just lay on my chest for, for a few minutes. And sometimes she'll even, you know, fall asleep. I just love watching her. So I've really come to reset the expectations and I've, I've done some pretty amazing things. I've flown jet aircraft when I was in the Marine Corps. I've just a few weeks back, I drove a Ferrari. You know, it's like, so I, I have experience. I used to ride motorcycles everywhere, pulling wheelies, doing stoppies. I was pretty crazy on my bike. One of the reasons I got rid of it. But one thing I've discovered is that, you know, life is the best things in life are truly free. Now, the second best things in life are, are sometimes darn expensive, but it's one of those things that I find that having reset my expectations, I am just very thankful for what I have. But the purpose of this podcast is if I were to write a letter to my younger self, I don't think I would need to restate, which it seems like I've already made some good decisions on, so I'm not going to reinforce those. And But I am going to hit on things that I feel I could have done better. And these are my own. So this is not so general. This is more of a personal letter to me of areas that I knew and, I, and looking back on my life, especially the last 25 years, that I know I could have improved upon. And, uh, and I would encourage myself, uh, probably starting at age 15, to start taking a lot of this a lot more seriously. All right, you ready for it? Let's get into number one. Pursue your dreams, Antonio, not somebody else's. So I remember I used to want it, whenever people would ask me what I wanted to be, the first thing I remember saying is I wanted to be a paleontologist. 
And when you're in second grade or third grade and you're telling people this, they kind of look at you kind of weird because many people didn't even know what that was. And I just like dinosaurs and I like dinosaur books. I remember reading about paleontology and I liked Indiana Jones and I thought he was a paleontologist or at least it seemed like he was going off into the jungle. So I kind of mixed archaeology with paleontology and I was the kind of kid, you know, in, in what, like fifth grade, sixth grade, I'm getting science news delivered to my house. You know, really I'm reading scientific papers. I don't know. I just found that being a dork there, I was really strong and that I enjoyed succeeding academically. But somewhere along the way, I discovered that paleontologists, archaeologists, it's not like in the movies, or at least for most of them, it's not. Um, and somehow I thought, okay, well, I just need to be a doctor because everyone says that's good. And, and I ended up going off to college thinking that I needed to be a doctor. And that wasn't my dream. That was somebody else's. That was something I think that whenever I started saying that, I found that, oh, you know, that's a great profession. You know, you'd make a great doctor because you're so strong in science and mathematics and all this other stuff. But when it came down to it, I was never really, you know, that dedicated to that dream. And it's funny, when I went through the organic chems in college, which are, I think, make or break a lot of doctors, and I discovered I didn't like it. I, I really, you know, if this is what it is, I do, I was not attached. So by following somebody else's dream and not following mine, I didn't have the strength to get through some of the tough spots. And it's funny, it happened to me again. I went and joined the Marine Corps right out. It's funny, it's about the time I decided that I wasn't going to be a doctor, I didn't know what I was going to do after my undergrad. So I ran into a Marine recruiter and I knew I'd always had uh, an affinity for, for the military. My, my brother was an enlisted Marine. My father was um, in the army. He was, he was enlisted as well over in Vietnam, picked up the, uh, what was it? The bronze star. Uh, basically just, he's got a great story with it. And I remember reading the award. He's never told me about it. We never really talked about it, but he's, I've read, I've gone through, you know, some of his uh, paperwork on that. So I, I have an idea of what happened based off of the company report, but joining the military was a dream. But whenever I joined the military, I was talked into by the OSU recruiter and this isn't bad, but he was like, Hey, start off as a pilot. You can always go down to anything else, but go, go, go aviation. That's like, everyone wants to be a jet pilot. Who doesn't want to fly, you know, an F-18 or who doesn't want to fly a Harrier jet or a Cobra attack helicopter. And I was like, sure, that sounds good to me. So I went down that path and lo and behold, because I wasn't pursuing my dream, I really never had a deep desire to be an aviator. I just, I liked the mentality. It was fun, but it did end whenever I was NPQ'd. Basically, I was not physically qualified. I blew my sinuses out in a T-34 uh, in Corpus Christi, Texas, the Naval Air Station there, which is the secondary school you go to. I made it through Pensacola um, when you do a, a lot of the entry-level stuff and, um, you know, like swimming, um, you know, going through a lot of the physical stuff, the dunkers. So I, I got to experience a lot, but I never made it to my out of the training program. And then I went to the infantry and that... You know, I'd have to say that definitely putting myself in that environment, but not pursuing my true dream, dreams, I think, um, you know, was hard. And, and what's funny is you don't have to stick to the dreams of, of, of a 15-year-old. You don't have to stick to the dreams of an 18 or 22-year-old. Your dreams evolve as I think your definition of success does over time. And nowadays, my dream isn't what I thought it would be. You know, when I look at it, I want to be the patriarch of my family going forward. And I mean that more in a really big sense. I want in three to four generations for my great grandkids to look back and to know that, you know, they to know my story, to know that this guy 
sacrificed a lot, that he put in a lot of effort, and he enabled a lot of future success throughout my family. I didn't have anyone to help pay through college, and I took out a lot of student loans. For that, you know, I'm still paying. I didn't have any, I don't feel, really good mentors at a young age, male mentors in my family. Um, You know, I, I had people that worked hard, but I didn't have anyone to explain to me how, and I'll get into a lot of this stuff later, but I do, I wanna create a mentorship program for my family so that many, you know, there will be granddaughters and grandsons. There'll be my daughters and sons will go on and achieve greatness. And I like to think that they'll look at me and say, you know, he had a lot of imperfections, but in general, like he really gave me so many tools that have enabled me to become a great scientist, to become a great fashion designer, to become a great stay-at-home mom, whatever it is they want to be, they'll look at their ability to do it at a high level and to lead a life that they enjoy because of the lessons I gave them. So it's funny like how your dreams change as your definition of success does. Tip number two, be present and enjoy the moment. So I have a big problem of daydreaming. I was always looking forward to the next big thing. Even when I was in, you know, flight school is probably a great example because I was always looking forward to the next part of flight school. And instead of focusing in and doing great in my studies or doing great in the trainer aircraft, I was always kind of looking ahead. So whenever I was actually knocked out and PQ'd, I actually looked at it as a blessing in disguise because I found that I wasn't getting super excited about what I was doing there. And it wasn't until I went to the infantry that it folk, it really, I had a, uh, I had a, a major, major uh, Mike Lee, and he took me under his wing, a little bit rough. And, and I needed that. And he was just like, hey, you need to focus in on your, on your group, on your platoon, on your S1 shop, and you need to fix this now. Stop, get your head out of the clouds and focus in. And I, I do believe that there is a time and place for dreams and for looking ahead and for big picture. But a lot of your time, you do need to put it down. You need to be present. You need to enjoy the moment and you need to give 110% to the job at hand. Tip number three, lose the guilt. So, I, I've always had, uh, I think, a little bit of a guilt complex that I'm taking from others whenever it comes to sales. You know, if, I, if I'm selling something at a high price or I, I perceive to be a high price and my perception of a high price is relatively low because of growing up, I don't think, without a whole lot of money. I mean, I'm, it's always relative, but here in the United States, I'd say I grew up in a trailer park, you know, money was People said they never had money, but I, I view it as, oh, we had money for liquor and cigarettes, but, uh, you know, that's a whole nother subject. The point is, is I always felt that I didn't have money for things. So it kind of blew my mind that I could actually be selling suits for 600 or $1,000 or $1,500 when I first started my company, a tailored suit, which was my first business. And now sometimes it's hard to like, because I'm not really my target market. I'm not my target customer. I know this material, but people come in and they want to purchase my courses. And these are electronic courses, which when you think about it, they're just pixels. So my cost of goods is relatively low, but I'll sell these at a hundred, 200, 500, a thousand dollars. And I'm very happy that I was able to set up systems, but a big thing that helped me out is realizing that I need to lose the guilt when it comes to this. Life isn't a zero sum game. If I sell someone a course and yes, it costs a thousand bucks, that may seem like an incredible amount of money to someone that makes $2,000 a month. 
But if this guy is able to take that information and he takes it very seriously, and when you realize that actually going to college is a lot more expensive, but if this can augment his MBA or his um, his engineering degree and then help him get a job that pays him $10,000 a month, that was a pretty darn good investment. And I think once I started seeing the value in which I brought to the table and that life isn't a zero-sum game, that we can create value, and to start, I just stopped, you know, I really st- you have to ignore what a lot of people think and you've got to lose the guilt and realize that you are worth it. Some of the, many of the things that you're going to create are well worth it, especially if the market is willing to pay for it. And so just lose that guilt. Tip number four, paying myself first. And I'm talking here about systemizing self-improvement. So I've had ups and downs in life. And a lot of people say life is a marathon. I would say it's more like a series of sprints because you have, and I didn't always use my downtime very well. When I was in college, I'd have to admit I was a party animal. I definitely improved my social skills, but I did not systemize that at all. It was more about just drinking, uh, going out with my buddies, doing stupid things, having, you know, not remembering half of it. So looking at that, you know, I really wish I would have systemized my self-investment. And so I wish I would have spent more time building relationships in my undergrad, not just with professors, but with some of the amazing students, Um, you know, looking at money. I wish I would have systemized investing or, or putting just a small amount away. And I would have kept that because it would have definitely given me the opportunity, the ability to be self-funded versus having to take out, you know, money on credit cards when I was starting my first company, things like that, which were not very smart. Um, also the self-investment of exercise and actually taking care of your body, not just exercise, but eating correctly. It wasn't until I probably got, uh, you know, I was married and my wife actually brought it to my attention that I was a horrible eater. And there's a reason why I was really skinny. It's because I wasn't eating actually the right food. And since, uh, you know, she's helped me see the light there, it's something that I noticed that my body, you know, even sometimes I went, I remember a year without running or exercising as much. And my body actually stayed in great shape because our diet was very solid. Now that I've brought that back, I actually feel like I've got probably the best body I've ever had in my entire life at the age of 40 and able to do that because I'm investing it. You know, I try to invest a little bit every day in the exercise and definitely in the way that we feed ourselves. Finally, the self investment and paying myself first when it comes to my family and friends. I think it's important that, especially as an entrepreneur, that If you're a busy guy, you're a busy gal, whatever it may be, you create barriers to protect what is important. And it seems like sometimes we take advantage or we take for granted those that are closest to us. We don't call our wife when we're going to be late, yet we'll still, we'll call a client that honestly is just a prospective client to let them know we're running two minutes late, but we won't call and let our wife know. And, and, you know, it's a small thing, but why don't I treat her like my greatest client? Because truly that's what she is. You know, I mean, well, you, you guys get what I mean. The point is like, why do we mistreat those? Because I, I think sometimes we just think that they'll take it. We, that we can get away with it and we get lazy. We get, you know, and, and I'm trying to, and this is something, everything I'm talking about here, I definitely could do better myself. Tip number five, find great mentors and be a mentor that I wish I had had. Now, this is something that I've beat my head up against the wall trying to figure things out sometimes for years, especially when I started my first company, a tailored suit. I ended, you know, I look at that as there were some successes, but gosh, for every success, there were probably nine failures. There were, you know, all these times I would 
just do all this work and just run it into the ground. Part of it was I went through the hard knocks of trying to figure out everything myself, thinking I'm the smartest guy in the room. And that's probably because I was the only guy in the room at the time. And just really, you know, not having anyone to guide me through. If somebody could have showed me how to, that it would have been worth it to create a system to reduce error when we're designing out clothing, that would have saved me thousands and thousands of dollars in not having to redo suits because we were doing a lot of things by hand. And, you know, when, you, when you're doing that on a suit, and if you make one measurement error or enter one thing incorrectly, all of a sudden you've got it so that you're building a suit, which just is not, uh, yeah, if I could have had somebody. And so I try to be a mentor for those. Now it is something that, you know, I can't be, a, I, I get that question quite a bit, you know, hey, Antonio, can you be my mentor? To me, it's something that I always think a person has to really earn it. They need to build a relationship with me. They need to, we need to maybe work together. Uh, oftentimes I have found that it's best to have it either in a paid program in which I've, I've hired people. And I'd have to say, I've got people on my staff that I view as I'm a mentor to them. And in a sense, I'm paying them to be a mentee, but it's something, and I like that because it keeps the relationship honest and it keeps it so that, you know, we really do take this seriously. And um, yeah, so if you're looking for a mentor, you know, remember to respect their time. The best ones are just going to be busy and you've really got to prove it to them that you are worth their time and that you're worth their investment. Tip six, learn to use money. Now, here's the thing. If you don't use money, money is going to use you. And there's all those sayings out there. And I grew up believing that money can't buy happiness. And to this day, I do believe that money isn't going to buy me happiness. However, poverty isn't going to buy me happiness either. You know, it's like, it's not the flip of the side of the coin that if you're poor, you're therefore happy. No, like you can be miserable in both. But knowing how to use money as a tool knowing how to make it, knowing what to do with it, and understanding that it's simply a tool like fire. And yes, you can burn yourself, but you can also keep yourself warm and you can also cook your food with it. So, you know, understanding that money is simply that tool, I think is something I wish I would have learned earlier because I would have avoided that 20% interest rate on my first truck. Yes, I think I played, paid something close to that. I mean, I just got ripped off. I didn't know interest rates were. I was a biology guy. I was a science guy. I wasn't a, you know, I wasn't a finance person. I didn't know how to negotiate. I didn't realize that, you know, those little interest rate things do matter. Uh, I was just happy to get into a truck and things like that. You know, if I could pay attention more to that when I'm taking out student loans, realizing that you will have to pay this back and that nothing, I mean, short of death can get you out of student loans here in the United States. So to understand that money is something that is a tool and to treat it as, as you treat a sharp knife, that it is, it can, it can really hurt you, but it can also do amazing things. So I think that, yeah, learning that at an early age, and I actually work with my kids to explain them money. They understand. I have a pretty good picture. I'm now working with them because this is something that takes a while for someone to really realize how hard it is to actually make a dollar. But uh, yeah, learn to use money as the tool that it is. Tip number seven, relationships. Surround myself with amazing people and value those that love you. So I've done a pretty good job of this. Although I have let people into my sphere, sometimes you don't even mean to, that 
really don't value your time that waste. And sometimes you let people in and they go a different route than you do and you realize that the relationship really has gone in different ways. I think what you have to do here is definitely you've got to go out there and seek people who are ahead of you. And whether it may be relationships, it may be business, it just may be life. If you want to have a great marriage, then wouldn't it be smart to surround yourself if you're a man with maybe three or four other guys who have been married for 20 to 30 years and, you know, have happy children and and all this stuff like where you want to be so that you can ask them some of the questions, which maybe, maybe your single friends or maybe the guys that are just married like you just aren't going to know. It's simply being able to almost see the future and to realize that we are very much like and be careful of toxic people. That's one of the things I've had a few in my life and I it's it's always tough when you've got to cut that out, especially if they are someone that you know that's family or they've someone you knew at an earlier time and they've just continued to go down a path. And I'm not saying that you need to ignore people, but you've got to set the boundaries because kind of like a bad apple in, in a bunch or you know in a bag or a barrel. It's one of those things it can spread and it can affect if you find that you've got someone who has anger issues and they're taking up a lot of your time or that they are exploding out on you and it's affecting how you're acting with your kids, you seriously do, you know, I'm not going to say, in that case, I'm going to say, yeah, I would cut off that relationship because the relationship with my kids and with my wife is a lot more valuable than with somebody that in a sense won't face the reality that they have an anger issue and it's affecting those around them. Tip number eight, I would tell myself that I'm responsible and I have the power to change my situation. Let me say that again. I'm responsible for my own situation and I have the power to change it. And there's two tips to that. So it's kind of scary for a lot of people to accept full responsibility for where they're at in life because we want it's so nice and so easy to blame it on the government, to blame it on our community, to blame it on our wife, to blame it on our kids. And I, I definitely have done that where, you know, I'm filming a video. I used to film uh, quite a bit in the basement of my house and we would just, I mean, when you got kids on the floor above you or you got pipes, all of a sudden people are, you know, flushing toilets and stuff like that going all around you. And, and, and you just like, I would get frustrated because I'd be like, oh man, I was just filming a great video. I've got to go in and redo this. I remember one time I, uh, I exploded uh, on, I went up and I, I yelled at my son and I still remember this. And I, I actually, did, you know, I threw something across the room and I was just like, you know, why can't you keep quiet? You know, and I'm sure I can never take that back. And, I, and to this day, I still feel guilty about, about that because it wasn't about him. He was, I mean, he was just up getting, you know, doing his thing, running around, being a kid, you know, eating breakfast. But I needed to realize, you know, it's my responsibility to look at the situation and to realize this is not a good situation. I need to, and what I did is I got myself an office that was about three quarters of a mile from my house, but I realized that I needed that outside area. I needed that place of quiet where I could go focus in and get the job done. So because I realized I had the power to change the situation, I did change the situation. Now it wasn't necessarily easy because it was, you know, it did cost me an extra over a thousand dollars a month to have that office. Uh, It did require work to set up that office, but once it was done, my level of productivity went up. And so when you look around and if you're not happy with your situation, realize, okay, It's, you know, I'm actually responsible for the current situation and then I can change it. Tip number nine, read the classics. In fact, in general, just become a better reader, be a voracious reader. And it doesn't have to just be reading, it can be audiobooks as well. 
And I think the value of reading those classic books or books that have historically done well is that it, it protects you from stupid advice. Because I can tell you that there's a lot of stupid advice out there. If you follow the news, you have to, you start to realize that their job is just to get you to pay attention, to click, to, they use fear mongering and everything else to grab your attention. It's not about making you a better person or improving you. When you read a classic book, and I'm talking maybe something that's been out for just a few years, but has hundreds of reviews or something could have, could have been out for a thousand years. Uh, but definitely you want to find something that has been vetted and I'm not, and I'm not saying to ignore non-vetted books, but I am saying that when you go through enough of those books, you start to be able to develop your own strong opinion. You have a foundation to build off of. You've, in a sense, had this conversation with some of the greatest thinkers that the world has ever produced. And so whenever you get this stupid advice, you recognize it as stupid advice, advice that ignores history, advice that ignores human nature, advice that in a sense is just trying to please the masses and sound good. And then occasionally you can recognize great advice. And when you recognize somebody that is consistently giving you great advice, you realize, hey, I've either found a peer or I found a mentor. And you decide to get closer with that individual. But it all starts with you building that foundation and becoming a voracious reader. Tip number 10, start now. So what is that? Uh, They say it's a Chinese uh, proverb. I I don't know if where it comes out of, but I love it. The fact that the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is now. And I do agree that you just need to get started. Uh, It's funny. I look at my YouTube channel and me and Aaron, we talk about this. I watched him go from a million views to 4 million views. And the entire time I was thinking, gosh, I need to start my channel. I need to do it. I need to do it. And it wasn't until he was probably over five to 6 million views that I said, okay, I am going to start my channel. And that that was a year, two years that I watched him grow and get bigger. And if I would have started my channel at the time when I first thought about starting it and realized I could put something out there, right? I would easily be twice to three times the size because I did miss out on some time opportunity when YouTube, there was even less competition and they were, you know, there was a chance I could have been given more favorable preference. Uh, As it is, I was able to get in at a time as YouTube was growing. I know now it's even harder to get in on that platform. There's now a lot more competition, still not an impossible amount of competition. I've watched one channel similar to mine, uh, guys over at Teaching Men's Fashion in the last year just explode. But it is something that I do find that taking action cures a lot of uh, of ills, simply just getting out there, even if you go in the wrong direction. The thing is, is you're taking action so you can step and turn around and start going in the right direction. But if you're not taking action, you're not going anywhere. All right, guys, if you enjoyed this, definitely go check out the show notes at realmenrealstyle.com forward slash episode 34. Thank you for listening to the Personal Image System Podcast. If you would like more information on men's style, business communication, and grooming, go check out realmenrealstyle.com. There, you're going to find my free eBooks and our premium courses to help you take action on the information that will improve your life. I'm Antonio Centeno, and until next time, stay stylish.